Welcome to VG Empire episode 116. I'm your host, Brett Elston. And I'm very pleased to have, for the first time ever on the show, a very special guest. Spencer Nilsson. Oh my goodness. So... And who is he? Who is he? In fact, uh, this is something that's come up a lot, uh, not just on this show, but on prior shows. Like, your name comes up a lot in, like, the whole Sega CD era of of game music Mm -hmm. is kind of where I learned your name. Mm -hmm. And when I realized you were, you know, lived not all that far from where we would do our show, I was like, man, if someday I could have him on the show and talk about these incredible days of early CD-ROM game music and everything from what we came in with, which is Batman Returns for Sega CD... All the way through things like Sonic CD and, and other games we'll talk about. But uh, I just want to say, first of all, thanks you for coming on. Well, Brad, it's been a, you know, I know we've been trying to do this for a while, and yeah, I apologize. Yeah. It's been a, quite a few months, but uh, oh. it's a thrill to be here. And uh, yeah, it's funny because as I was driving here, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you know it, but Sega Studios was just yes. up at Folsom and Second. Yep, the giant now Zynga building. Is it part of Zynga now? Well, it was the. the the building they used to be in, mm. I think Zynga took it over, and then their headquarters moved down a few blocks. Well, actually, you're thinking of oh. the Sega. The, the, you're thinking of the Sega uh, corporate offices oh. down on Towns, and I'm talking oh. right around the corner here is where the Sega Music Studios oh, were. Oh, whoa, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, this is where we recorded uh, Echo the Dolphin really? and uh, oh Spider Man, big chunk of Spider Man. Holy there. crap! Yeah, I mean, literally, Man, block I'm and a s- half away. I'm sweating. Now. <laughs> uh, so I know this neighborhood. That's awesome. <clears throat> what was the? What is that building? Something now? Uh, okay. It is a historic building, so it won't oh, be going anywhere. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful space. We wow. put in a lot of studios and everything there. Is this like Memory Lane? Basically. Yeah, it's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I guess before we get into the music and stuff, just talk about like uh, I wanted to ask you what you were doing right before you joined Sega of America, and like your your you know history with music that that led you, you to Sega. Yeah, um, I had just moved to the Bay Area, back to the Bay Area. I was born and raised here, mm. uh, born in uh, Marin County, and uh, I um, had been in Southern California going to college. I'd started a company down there, and I actually got married. And when my daughter was born, I. Uh, I decided, you know, I think I want to raise her in Northern California. So um, I had a friend who had just started working with uh, a couple of big music artists in the Bay Area, and I was interested in getting involved in that and getting back into Mm -hmm. my film work. And so I came to the Bay Area, and within literally within about a month of arriving here, Mm -hmm. I got a call out of the blue from someone I didn't know who said, uh, have you ever thought about writing music for video games? And my answer was, do video games have music? (laughs) Because I was already... Boy, do they. Yeah, well, I was 27 years old, Mm -hmm. and the music or the games that I was familiar with were arcade games and, and, Mm. you know, pinball games and things like that, where it was boop, 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 you know, and I wasn't thinking about it in the same reference. But I had just finished doing a record for American Gramophone Records, and uh, they had heard that, and uh, she said, well, why don't you come down? She laughed when I said video games (laughs) and music. She said, why don't you come down and see what we're doing? So I drove down to Redwood City. The whole time driving, you know, going through the city and down the peninsula an hour and a half from my house, I'm thinking, this better be a great meeting. <laughs> um, and it might, it better be, you know, something that's really cool and interesting. So um, I got there and they showed me around a little bit. And um, and still all I was seeing were low ceiling, you know, no, no window mm. rooms with computer screens. I wasn't seeing anything that had anything to do with music. Right. And uh, not so very I, inspirational. No, so, and I yeah. and I was you know I was working on my own and and uh, thought well you know what's the draw here, mm-hmm. and once I signed the non disclosure and they started showing me what was coming mm-hmm. on the CD ROM because 
cartridge games didn't interest me. Right. There, there were four or six voices of music sure. at any given time. Those are notes. And there's a lot more basically <laughs> math involved. Exactly. In it's it's a lot more math, and, and, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm more of a esoteric record maker and, uh-huh. and, and composer. And so um, when they showed me the CD-ROM platform and said, we need help transitioning to this, you know, professional grade, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Red Book Audio, we like the work that you've done. Um, will you consider it? And I, you know, and I knew I, you know, I'd like the benefits. <laughs> and I oh, literally yeah. driving home thought, well, I wonder how long this game thing is going to last. <laughs> you know, I'll give it six months and maybe sure. that'll be fun. And so anyway, seven, almost eight years later, I had been with Sega and uh, wow. had recorded. I don't even remember how many games. And yeah. a lot of people ask me specific questions about specific games, which yeah. I know you're going to do. Brett. <laughs> um, and I'll do my best to recall, but I wrote so much music in yeah. such a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that, you know, it was like doing, you know, it's like doing four or five features, feature films a oh, year because wow, there's yeah. so much more music in a game. Yeah. I mean, we get that with <clears throat> podcasts where we've been doing it for, I mean, yeah, seven, eight years now. And yeah. someone will mention, Oh, with this thing on that episode. And I'm like, what? Yeah, and, and they give you a number. Yeah, they say that like, was episode ninety three. It was about forty two minutes in. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I probably said that, but I <laughs> I don't remember. So um, anyway, yeah. So um, it was that was my my introduction to Sega and to the game world. Yeah. And I literally spent the first couple of months a sponge, just trying <laughs> just, to absorb. Yeah. And I said, well, where are your studios? Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't have studios we'd like you to help us with that that's awesome so the first studio for sega was in a broom closet literally (laughs) we moved the brooms out and we moved my equipment my personal equipment in and then we just started you know building from there and built three studios and then ended up at the sega music group down the street which is twelve thousand feet of just world-class a studios huh what became of that like when they when they years ago, I guess, had to shutter it, I guess, or? Yes. Um, when Sega made the transition or, you know, devolved into becoming a third publisher, party, yeah. a third party, yeah. um, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was visited by uh, the vice president mm-hmm. for a morning meeting with the staff along with a security guard. And that, that was my Jeez. first uh, sign that things were not great. Yeah. So we quickly made a deal to buy it, and we That's bought cool. out the studio oh. and used it for many years after that. Oh. We didn't own the building, but mm. uh, it was actually a friend of the family that owned the building. And then when we moved out, it was just too expensive in the early 2000s when the prices in this neighborhood were crazy yeah, and crazier the, than today. Yeah, the dot-com <clears throat> Yeah, era. The, the first bubble. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it was about... Sixteen to eighteen thousand dollars a month just Jeez. in rent. So it ended up in the hands of an entrepreneur who rented it while he was in San Francisco from New York, and it was his personal residence. He took all the equipment out. Wow! And it was he turned it into kind of a gallery and stuff. Jeez. So anyway, it's still there. I don't know who's in it now, but wow! Yeah, that's the history. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so the first game I wanted to talk about uh, was Batman Returns, which is from this era when publishers and developers would like if if there's a game with multiple SKUs every one of them is going to be completely different yes and like Jurassic Park did this and Batman Returns did this where it's like the Sega CD game is not the same as the Sega Genesis as, as the Super NES as the mm-hmm. NES like these are all wildly different games yeah. so the Sega CD one is mostly known for this driving music like these driving scenes where the Batmobile is kind of you know going into the screen and you shoot uh discs at enemies I think yeah. it's been a long time since I played it but me too I remember even back then people going like oh this music though when you're driving is like this great driving like rock song and the song they brought us in is like I think the the earliest like the act one driving music mm-hmm. and 
I kept getting that I want to run to you feeling in there, like just this this great like eighties Brian Adams. Yeah, like I, that's kind of where my mind went with it. But mm-hmm. do you have any memories of the process of be- the making the music? For Absolutely. Batman Returns, yeah, and and this was we were working on this long before the movie came out. Okay, so I didn't have the uh, references to Danny Elfman's score. Right. But it's funny because the, I wrote, did write a few orchestral pieces mm-hmm. for the themes and things within this game. And it, it was kind of eerie how we did share some ideas. Some ideas. Yeah, that's um, cool. Of course, he was using a real orchestra and I was using a lot of samples. But, yeah. but the point is that we were, uh, we were really inspired by what we saw. Because mm. uh, you probably had concept art or yes, stills, concept photography. Art. We had, yeah, we had script. We had all kinds of different things. Mm. Um, I immediately thought of the guitar as a driving force mm-hmm. in this game um, because there's just so many ways that you can use guitar. And yeah. so um, I called on a friend who I had known for many years uh, named Greg Strong, and he's a very talented multi-instrumentalist from Marin. And uh, he came in kind of blind, and w- as we did with a lot of these mm-hmm. tracks because we were producing very quickly a lot of times you know uh, very similar to the film industry you're you're not locking to a game like you do in film you're not you're not the film doesn't have to stay exactly the way it is because people play through the levels at different times different rates that kind of thing go different routes but still we had to wait for a lot of the game to be completed before we could start the soundtrack Mm. and so of course you're always in a in a crunch but we had a very creative uh series of sessions with greg on guitar and and a lot of times we would just roll, physically roll tape <laughs> and um, uh, on the basis on the foundations that I had already recorded and built, he would riff and, That's awesome. and we would do multiple takes of that. And then I had stitched that stuff together. However, this track um, was almost a flow of consciousness for him. Once we came up with those mm. guitar riffs, um, we got this very, very quickly. It was right in his zone. But yeah, there's some beautiful. I like the guitar work in this particular yeah. soundtrack. So this was like a live guitar mixed in with sample. Yes, elements and, and, and I yeah. always used as many live instruments as mm-hmm. I could, um, depending on a the type of music I was doing and mm-hmm. b the budget, and sure. time constraints, that kind of thing, um, what the expectations were of the of the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case and in many others, we would pepper in the stuff that I would do with samples and we would either double it or augment it with live instruments. Mm. Um, this is all live guitars. That's awesome. Um, drums, most of the drums are live. Um, if they were sampled, they were at least played by a drummer. Uh, Brad great. Kaiser, who played on most of the stuff I did with Sega and uh, um, some live bass. Um, yeah, so we were always trying to, you know, because that was the idea, take it a little bit beyond the electronic yeah. aspect of it's it. Because you think about 1992, like playing a console game 92 was still super nes and genesis yeah so you're used to and i, I was a fan of game music at, already at that point and mm-hmm. recording it off air on a boom box and stuff but then when you play this you're like oh this is quote unquote real music right. it, it it just felt like a i mean for lack of a better term it felt very next gen of like yeah. whoa is departure this where, yeah, yeah is this where games are going like that's yeah. incredible and now here we are i yeah, mean with full orchestra yeah, 90 and, piece orchestras yeah. and, and unlimited tracks and time yeah. and so and and you brought up the way that in those years the late 80s through the mid 90s and a little beyond they would make different skews yeah. or completely different games a lot of that was because in this particular case, I know there was a whole other team that was taking my MIDI files oh. and trying huh. to create as close of a soundtrack as they could for the, you know, for the Genesis version and yeah. you know that kind of thing. So we huh. we had a lot of that going on, and the Japanese team at mm-hmm. Sega Japan were so much better than I personally <laughs> was at that. You know, working with the MIDI on the yeah, yeah, on yeah. the uh, 
you know, on the cartridge. They did stuff with the cartridge versions of some of my the soundtracks that I did that were just unbelievable. I yeah, thought. we had an episode that was just like the Sunsoft era of Batman games and yeah. the crazy stuff that those composers oh. were able to pull off. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Konami, though, was on Batman Returns, actually. Um, but one of the composers for the NES Batman is the composer of Mega Man 2. Mm-hmm. So it's like this iconic soundtrack that everybody knows. He also did Batman Returns. And then you listen to Batman Returns NES, and you're like, oh, this is like excellent chiptune greatness. Right. Uh, but but then, yeah, you jump from that to Batman Returns, Sega CD, and now it's like live instruments. Yeah. Like completely different sound. And it's just such yeah. an interesting time, especially in a day when every multi-platform game is almost identical. Yeah. Maybe it's like 940p instead of 1080 or the frame rate's a little less, but like like structurally, it's the same video game. Right. Whereas back then it was, ah, what what platform is this? Oh, we will tailor it completely to this right. platform. Yeah, and what I also, you know, again, not being too nostalgic, because sure. to be honest, I really... That's know, all the show is. So. I, yeah. Well, I kind of parachuted into the game industry. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, there, mm-hmm. I, there wasn't this long love of, of games sure. for me. Um, there was a deep to this day a deep passion for music Mm -hmm. and i love how music is used from you know battery operated casio live bands you know (laughs) to you know to um you know lush scores and and live events and things like that but what drew me here was this the landscape of opportunity that existed and and you're right it was like the wild west back then Mm. and we were also dealing a lot with technical limitations that just don't exist today yeah you know so today it's like Depending on the budget and the time you have, the platform can handle yeah. as much animation as you can throw at it. It's you know mm-hmm. VR or whatever you've got, you know multi-channel audio, streaming, mm-hmm. and, and branching. Um, back then, it was like, can this stay in stereo? Are you? Gonna, <laughs> and I and I'm looking you in the eye and I'm saying, yeah. promise me yeah. when I give you these files <laughs> that when I play that friggin' game, yeah. I hear it in stereo, and that was not a guarantee, right? Or how much is there enough RAM? Like, right, and like no. Oh, so I have to rethink the entire score. Oh, like, I've had scores that, that started off as full Redbook audio with potential of Dolby Surround. Mm, or in, in my case, geez. I use Q Sound yeah. a lot, which is phenomenal. Excuse <laughs> my French. You have to edit that now. Um, but it the yeah, you, you were right down to the wire. And I've had people throw the score back at me, you know, mm. a week and a half before it's due. Say half of this has to be MIDI now. Yeesh. You know, use general, you know, general MIDI. Yeah. And ha- have fun with that. So anyway, yeah. it, it it was a it was a crapshoot from a technical standpoint. But let's see. Let's go into three tracks and uh, see cool. what came out the other end. So this was uh, Batman Returns again. Uh, again, we we don't know the track names per se, uh, but off the Red Book Audio, I think that's on the disc. Uh, track five. This is a platforming area. One of the two D let move left to right sections of the game. Uh, track nine is called Shrek's Wonderland, which is the Christopher Walken character in the movie. Uh, his you know toy store area, and then we'll do track three, which is another one of the like really uh, well the driving stage. I was going to call it driving music in the motivational sense, mm-hmm. but it is actually literally driving music, right? Uh, but yeah, we'll do these three songs. Well, and, and I, you know, uh, it's funny. I have the I have a recording, a soundtrack recording of this mm-hmm. game. It was never released, but Ooh. I have my own titles for these tracks. Oh, I can't wait! And so what I'll do is when I get back to the studio, I'll send them to you, Brett. Oh man! Along with the titles that I've got and That's how great. they how they line up with the game. Oh, anyone's guess yeah anyone's guess uh but yeah we'll do those three and we'll be back
those were all a treat. Uh, but you. did those give you like we were talking a little bit in the break? But like as soon as you hear like I'm guessing the second note, you're like, oh, that's you know the whole song is now in your mind. And, yeah. yeah, this soundtrack for me had a lot of um, a lot of mem a lot of strong memories mm. just because it was one of the first things I did mm. when I arrived at the company, and um, you know I just kind of kind of found my way through. I kind of bobbled through my mm-hmm. first couple of games, and and um, you know. For me, it's always about the music, mm-hmm. uh, and if I can, you know, if I can listen to it after the fact, a, a, an hour or a decade, yeah. and still yeah, get a yeah. little bit of goosebumps and remember the sessions and remember what people were, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to do, and you know, collaboration is the big part of it for me. Yeah, yeah, and like hearing the, the like what we just talked about, it, the mix of live and yeah. synth, uh, and sometimes I can pick them out, and other times I get so invested in the song, I'm just like I couldn't identify yeah, which and, is which. And it really doesn't matter, yeah, you know. That's yeah. the thing with me is that if it if it fits the mood and it fits the song, especially if it's authentic to the song, yeah, yeah. I go with it. Whether it's you know banging on a tin can or or bringing in <laughs> an orchestra, you know, it really depends on the song and what it's asking for. And so this worked and. You know, this is the second iteration of the studio, um, which was basically one big room, but well designed. And Mm. so we did a lot of, you know, sitting in circles and standing in circles Mm. and me at the keyboards and the drummer in the booth. And that's cool. You know, so there's a lot of interaction, um, which, you know, is kind of unique for this type of production. Yeah, because that's got to be so different than what a lot of the in this era, like Japanese composers working on cartridge games like a completely yeah. different scenario where it's like they don't have a band to no. riff with and no, uh, it's all, all like in their head and they've got to like and are amazingly adept at converting that into these beautiful you know chip tunes yeah well like you said they're you know the math of it becomes yeah. really important yeah you know in a very creative way you know getting a delay on a note yeah even though yeah, they yeah. only have three notes to work with you know yeah. things like that and that's why that's something obviously i didn't appreciate as a kid but then as an adult i'm like i can't believe oh. you got all that out of the, the incredibly con- you already first of all you have to be a good musician yeah and then you got to work with this input device well that is that's it you know and, and when I arrived at Sega I had been working in synthesizers for many years mm-hmm. and and I as a matter of fact my earliest sessions as a keyboardist in the Bay Area were for bands that were just transitioning into mm-hmm. synthesizers yeah. away from electric piano and organ and those kind of things especially in the rock world yeah, yeah we were yeah. experimenting with that so I was hanging out at uh, Don Weir's Music City on uh, Columbus Street mm. in San Francisco is a huge record store, or music store, and everybody shopped there. So all the guys in Santana, Journey, <laughs> The Grateful Dead, everybody. Wow. So I was this kid playing keyboards in the keyboard department, and they said, I want that sound on my record. Wow. So that's how I started doing my first early project. I was 13, 14. That's crazy. So my mom would take me to my sessions, right? <laughs> so when I got to Sega, I had been programming um, since for a while, I'd been playing the DX7, the Yamaha DX7, as every keyboard player was at the time for many years, but I hated programming because it was called mm. FM synthesis. Yes, yeah. What did they have on the cartridge as a That's source it. was FM an synthesis. FM synthesizer chip, and I went, no! <laughs> Back for more. Yeah, but anyway, that's... Um, so when I recognized that, it mm. was much easier for me to plan mm. from a programming standpoint what yeah. might be necessary and what the japanese might be able to do the programmers there might be able to do with yeah, my yeah. track so did you have any dealings with warner brothers at all for batman or was it just none like, yeah they just the nice thing about sega in the day um we had fantastic people kind of running the front of house That's administratively cool. in in licensing and and all that stuff but it gave us a lot of creative autonomy yeah 91 92 93 sega and sega of america in particular really killing it like, oh yeah it was a great time cylinders. i have to say you know i arrived and there was about you know, 150 people at the company, 
and I was an outsider. I mean, mm. it took me a month to get through the gauntlet of people going, really, he, he's great, you know, but <laughs> he, he doesn't play games. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, there was that. Um, but but by the time I left, it was like 1,400. That's crazy. So it, it wow. just like grew 10 times. Like all the way up to like 2000, 2001, I guess. I, I left in 98. Okay. So a little before the, the, the full the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving into the next game, uh, we're kind of I'm going to book in the game, uh, the show with like more rock focused things. But in the middle here is Echo the Dolphin, mm. which I assume as a musician, I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of projecting, but I assume this would be like a really fun thing for you to work on, given that it's just the polar opposite of what we just heard for Batman. Yeah, um, Echo. Yes, first of all, <laughs> one of the greatest projects I've ever worked on. Um, it's so crazy a, to think about now in hindsight, like what this game is. Yeah, and from a standpoint of of creativity and collaboration, the mm-hmm. team that I oh, had, okay. um, I'm reaching for something here because ah. I brought this for you. Ooh, wow! What is this? That's the Echo soundtrack album. Oh damn! Oh, from like the Sega Music Group itself. Exactly. That's crazy. So, um, this was this was kind of a culmination of many many years of of. Um, the work that I was doing in synthesizers and in keyboards. And so when, uh, when Ed Annunziata, the creator of the character Echo, and of course the producer of the games, brilliant man and still a very close friend and collaborator, um, when he approached me about this game and we went and had coffee and he said, look, I've, I've just been approved on this concept uh-huh. and I really want you to score it for me. Here's the deal. It's a dolphin. <laughs> and eject, eject, eject. Not only is it a dolphin, but there's no humans. There's no human elements in the film. There's no cars. There's right, no right. chases. There's no mm. language. And by the way, if you decide you want to take this, you know, it's, I felt like, you know, Mission Impossible. <laughs> if you choose to accept this mission, you can't use any instruments that I recognize as human. Wow. That's really cool. And it wasn't like he was laying down a you know, some sort of edict. It was like, as we talked, he was like, well, yeah, wouldn't that be cool if we create the world sonically? Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. intended, We'll get to that. (laughs) Um, so that was my challenge. And because I love synthesis so much, and there's such a huge palette of opportunity and, and the amazing sounds that I could, I, in my head, I knew I could work with. I just started putting a team together and the team was basically a group of fantastic musicians, synthesists or programmers, many of them who created the palette of instruments that then I would compose with because we knew we needed to have these sounds that no one had else heard. Right. And, uh, so it was a huge project. It's nuts because, like, I spent four years at Capcom, so I had a lot of insight into the actual game development that I couldn't get working on, like, a press side or or, right. or even as a fan. There's just certain things, like, you got to be in the room and right. you got to live through to really get it. So when I hear something like that, I'm like, man, the amount of time and money and effort mm-hmm. that it takes to get this palette of sounds that is maybe only going to be used for one game. Only was used once. And, like, now all I think of, like... Man, that's so much thing. That's so much work to do for one project. Yeah. But then I appreciate it even more going through publishing side, knowing that someone believed in it enough to be yeah. like, no, that's what we need to do. Yeah. Because this project needs to be unique. Yeah. That, and that was it. I mean, Ed had had a couple of hits, um, X Men, and a couple of other things, uh-huh. and so you know, and he was super, is super, super creative. Mm-hmm. And the, so the company knew, even though they didn't fully get it, that he was onto something. Mm-hmm. And so with the, we kind of had this 
magic that happened between us and and with his vision and and what I was able to pull off musically with my amazing team Dave Young and mm. and uh, Jennifer Harushka from the group De Cuckoo and and uh, <laughs> so just some amazing people. Wow. Um, we even had a flood during the making of this here on Folsom Street. The the roof leaked and huh. I walked into the studio one morning and all of the lights <laughs> of the equipment was reflecting in the floor and I went that's Whoa. not good. That's not supposed to be that. That's way. on brand. It's uh we're yeah right. Well yeah. that's what I figured we're doing music water music here. Let's not electrocute ourselves but um but yeah that was one of those projects that i think it's certainly probably the most successful and 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 popular of my soundtracks yeah um that and sonic cd probably are the most popular but echo was a uh just a huge undertaking and a collaboration and again mixed in cue sounds that we tried to surround the Mm -hmm. the player Yeah, yeah you know from any stereo set of speakers yeah um and that's a funny story too. I mean, just the just how we ended up with Q Sound and what what happened. There. I mostly knew it from arcade games of the day, like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Capcom arcade fighting games would yeah. have the Q Sound logo pop up on the screen. But you know, like you know, like the X Men fighting game yeah. and Street Fighter Alpha stuff, I think had that. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, certain games could utilize it more than others, and mm-hmm. I don't think a fighting game could really do that. The yeah. Echo was perfect for it because you were immersed sure. in a, yeah, in a world. That was different than your own. I guess, I think the idea that, the impression I got for arcade games was it was good because you're in an arcade, you're surrounded by this barrage of noise. So at least it would try to like surround you in a flat noise, but with just this game and you're not hearing 13 other games going up at the same time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you really quickly, um, when I was at Sega, when we were getting, we were having hits and the company was growing big time. Um, Every snake oil salesman uh, in the tech world came to Sega trying to sell his wares. And I remember a couple of times where I'd walk into a conference room that the guy had been setting up for half an hour with speakers all around. And it's blaring and I can't hear anything. And I'm literally screaming, what does this do? <laughs> and he screamed back, anything you want it to do. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That by the time Q Sound came around, I was pretty jaded, yeah, right? Yeah. Huh. But they rolled in this system that was clean and beautiful craftsmanship and the, the components were gorgeous. Huh. And I, they set a joystick in my hand while they were setting up the studio for a real demo. And they put a basically a black box in front of me that was smaller than a boom box. It was mm. about the size of a, a loaf of bread with two mm. little tiny speakers and it painted black and I had a, I had a joystick in my hand that was like industrial, like like out of a fighter jet or something, wow. right? And I'm like, what is this? He's all, oh, just a little game. You want you play this while we're finishing setting up? I'm like, oh, brother. You know, <laughs> what I need to do is play games, you know, yeah. um, on my time off. Um, so he said, there's no screen or anything. He said, all it is is audio. So when you, when you hear a roar... Just point the joystick at it and shoot it. I'm mm. like, well, what do you mean? I don't, I don't see it. You, you won't see it. It's all audio. So just when you hear it, point towards it. And if you wow. hit it, and all of a sudden the thing starts, and behind my head wow. went roar, and I pulled the joystick back yes. and I fired, and I, I don't think I hit it, but I, I was sold yeah, for the yeah, next yeah. 15 minutes. You couldn't drag me off of this game, and all it was was two speakers. And throwing this sound around the room, Man. full left, full right, behind me. And I was like, and I can do this in a game? Mm. And he said, yeah, and you can record your moves in real time. Meaning I, I could take the, the flutes, and with that joystick, oh, I wow. could move the flutes throughout a 3D space. Wow. And the system recorded it part of the mix. 
I was sold. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard a firsthand account of like Q Sound being demoed to somebody. Yeah, like, that's really cool. And the programming of it was like a performance. Yeah, that, yeah. The fact that they're like, oh, the the uh, the sleight of hand almost of like, yeah. oh, you finished that while we set up, and yeah. it's like, well, that is the test. And that was it. That's and, really cool. You know, every whale sound that you hear yeah. that moves around, that was all done in real time. That was somebody actually yeah. me driving that's that whale awesome. around the. So this, I feel bad now because I played the Genesis one because I think the Sega CD one came later. It was like yeah. a later release. So by the time the Sega CD one came out, I'm like, oh, I've already played that. And oh. then years later realized like, yeah. oh, crap. Like I probably missed out on maybe the definitive experience for yeah. this game. The first Echo I did in the first iteration of our studios, mostly me doing everything mm. with uh, Brad Kaiser coming and doing percussion, things like that. And uh, and then on the second one, we used Mitch Manker playing uh, a, an instrument that, he's one of like three people in the world that can play this thing. Mm. And that's what created some of those amazing yeah. kind of sounds that are happening in the echo score. I got to track this down. Yeah. But yeah, this, you can be the soundtrack. So there might've been a point in there where I wasn't even reacting or talking, but that's cause I, I don't think I've ever seen this. And yeah, that, that it's funny because that soundtrack <laughs> just recently sold on eBay cause it had my signature on oh, it for, cool. for $400 Yikes. in Europe. Well, so it's funny when when you have so this is how rabid game fans are of oh, course yeah, you know yeah, so I know, man. it's a world uh, I think I unto ordered, itself yeah it really is I, I think I ordered uh, off eBay there was a Vector Man soundtrack mm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that was the same Sega Music Group or if it yeah. was just okay yeah I did great, it's, I I uh, can't remember the artist's name I loved him though he's a great guy and, and oh, I did I'm an episode with John Holland John Holland John that's Holland. it yeah uh, let's listen to the, the we got three tracks from Echo the Dolphin that I picked uh, the first one is the title screen because it's just such a great like you're looking right at echo's face and the music is immediately kind of this slow build and just gets you into the to, the you know the the mood of the game mm-hmm. very well mm-hmm. uh and uh, the word i would use over and over again just sad mm-hmm. and that i'm assuming that's intentional well it mm-hmm. is intentional because all idea if you haven't played echo the dolphin he's separated he's a dolphin mm-hmm. separated from his family and mm-hmm. the whole game is him kind of like in this weird underwater world that you have to navigate and mm-hmm. find your friends and your family again and it is supposed to kind of be this journey of like mm-hmm. you know discovery. isolation yeah. discovery mm-hmm. so there's highs there's lows yeah. and you got to keep going to the surface to get air that was yeah. the amazing yeah. thing about this but yeah, yeah you know and, and sad i don't know if it's sad introspective for sure oh, that might be better yeah and um and and longing you know yes. there's longing yeah. um but it's a young dolphin and mm-hmm. it's also there's some sense of adventure there you yeah. know um, I just love having a serious conversation about that. Isn't this great? <laughs> I can digress. I, I was, uh, man, it was so weird because, you know, Twitch, the streaming platform, mm-hmm. the, people are streaming just about any game, any time of the day. Mm-hmm. And when I when we first started talking about doing this show, I was like, I'm going to try to watch somebody play through Echo. And mm-hmm. I went on Twitch and it's was like, literally no one on earth was playing Echo can the Dolphin yeah. in that moment. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Wow. So every planet Earth, get back, get back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's do these three songs really quick. Uh, title screen from Echo the Dolphin, and after one, so it's called Track Fifteen, uh, Jurassic Beach, mm-hmm. um, which has no meaning to me. That's yeah, because when you hand me the CD, I'm like, oh, which one is Jurassic? Oh, that's I, not. It I might will, be the area of the game, maybe. I will. It is. It must be the area okay. of the game. Yeah, and a lot of times, they, again, as we talked about earlier, yeah. they they name the tracks based on the the level or yeah. something that that makes some sense to the producer, yeah. or the programming staff, that sure. kind of thing, and it never really got. You know, we didn't do a lot of soundtrack releases, so yeah. the ones that we did do, though, I named. Yeah, only that was post game, so those names yeah. didn't end up in the game. Well, hopefully, yeah, our the episode page will have the actual track names uh, 
for these songs. So. Yeah, and you'll be able to now ID those hopefully from the from That's the CD. That's really cool. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and then after Jurassic Beach, whatever it is truly called, we'll do. Uh, this is track nine from the from the game, uh, which is a little bit more intense, and I think it, it rides the line maybe more between that introspective you know thoughtful sound and mm-hmm. maybe getting into the actual video gamey adventure mm-hmm. we're doing kinetic action kind mm-hmm. of feel um so again this is track 2 15 and 9 
Yeah, that last track we were talking a little bit, it has this like almost gothic castle, uh, yeah. big, big final moment feel to it. And you're saying it sounds, you, you believe it's from near the end of the game. Yes, near the end of the game where Echo is, is battling to, to, you know, arrive at the point where he, there, there is a vortex and he can access his family that's in another dimension. Uh, <laughs> so if you thought the game about a dolphin yeah. wasn't weird enough. Yeah, uh, exactly. We're going to get dimensions yeah. and aliens yeah. and vortex. We and need to vort- throw some aliens in. Vortices. The only thing that's missing is zombies. So. Man, if only there could have been. There's no zombies in the second one, right? Not that I know of. Uh, and then we'll move into... Uh, this is the soundtrack of all these three. This is the one that I know the most uh, that I played this game to death. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man versus The Kingpin, uh, which uh, I, I did a whole episode about Spider-Man music back when one of the movies came out uh, called Spectacular Spider Sounds. And this is one of the games I spent the most time with uh, mm-hmm. in the episode discussing and now, three years later, have you on to talk about it. That's cool. Which is awesome. Because this is a game, I don't want to date it too much, because I always hate when people 10 to 15 years younger than me are like, well, when I was in grade school, but <laughs> when I was in junior high, uh, this is something my friend and I, we would just like, Saturday, we'd just like, let's just play Spider-Man all day. And we would listen to the soundtrack over and over, because the game was almost this open world yeah. map where you could click around Manhattan and like find comic book covers, and right. you could follow the main plot or not. And it was a completely different game from the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man had better animation, had voice acting and cutscenes, And mm-hmm. at the time, it was like, this is incredible, man. Yeah. And there's this crazy rock soundtrack that's like like almost Satriani-level like noodling going on. And yeah. it was like, this is just nuts. Yeah. And uh, we listened to it over and over. And it was Red Book, so you could put the CD in. Right. And I've listened to this uninterrupted. It's always on an iPod or an MP3 player since like 1993 wow. for me. So. Cool. Well, you know, it's funny. This one... Um was again just a fantastic experience a ton of work but um early on when i just started to when i just was given the assignment Mm -hmm. and um uh a gentleman named eric martin yes you know eric martin the lead Mm -hmm. singer of of uh mr big mr big and a solo artist as well turns out that he's a huge huge spider-man fan (laughs) so we had a couple of common friends i said well could you get me in touch with eric because maybe we could write something together we could collaborate on on a theme song Mm -hmm. so i met eric eric was a friggin nut and (laughs) so fun and such a nice guy and so talented a guy could just sing yeah the, the walls you know the doors off and 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 I liked his voice. I liked the quality of it. And he was such a fan that it made it really fun. So we went to producer Walter Afanasyev's house, actually, and we sat at the piano and and we banged this song out while he was between tour dates because mm-hmm. he had a number one song in the in the world at that point. Oh, uh, um, all um, I wanna be, be with you, with yeah, you. yeah. So. Um, uh, so anyway, Eric kind of landed, and we jumped into the the studio real quick, and and we wrote together for a while. And then he came down to the Sega Studios, and we wrote a little bit more when he was off tour. And and um, and in the meantime, I was collaborating with with Dave Young, mm-hmm. who's a great rock keyboardist and lives in Cleveland. <laughs> and uh, I actually flew back back to Cleveland, and we wrote together for a, you know. Sp- snowing out it was you know wow. minus 25 degrees so best place to be was in yeah. the studio right yeah, so yeah. we wrote together for about a week and then i returned and then i had planned to use greg strong on guitar i knew it was going to be you know once eric uh, martin came on board and sang we knew it had to be a rock score first of all yeah you know, it had to be a big rock score. is that why because when when i when we first played this i was like hard rock is not what i associate with spider-man in yeah. my mind but when someone like eric martin wants to get involved it's like well that's the way we well and he it. only did the, the theme song with me but okay. but it really inspired mm-hmm. um a, a direction that i went to the producers of course and said what do you think about this you know just just really kind of fun you know uh, big guitar sound big mm-hmm. drums and they went great so um we ran with that and uh I'd planned to use 
um, Greg Strong, this, the guitarist from Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the last minute, it fell apart mm-hmm. for various reasons. So literally, I got on the phone and I called a very uh, trusted friend of mine. I said, who on the peninsula, because that's where Sega Studios was in yep. Redwood City. I said, who on the peninsula do you know that's undiscovered, phenomenal? Mm. And he said, there's a kid, at, <laughs> literally, he said, there's a kid at Gelb Music on San, you know, in San Mateo on El Camino Real. Wow, yeah. He works in the guitar department. He's unbelievable. Wow. You got to hear this kid. So I literally, I got in the car, I drove over to Gelb Music, I said, can you play for me? And we went in the back room, and he shredded. <laughs> and he was such a nice kid. He was maybe 18, 19 wow, years old, maybe man. 20. And I said, I, look, I, I'll pay you, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But it was, all, it was a good chunk of money for a kid working in a, in a music store. Yeah, yeah. And he was going to get to be on a video game. Yeah. So I literally piled his stuff in the car, drove drove him over to the studios, and we started probably a week of recording. I pick him up, you know, go bring him over to the studio. He was a kid. That's crazy. And um, he killed it. That yeah, I mean, evidently, I mean, yeah. Some of this stuff was one take. <laughs> um, once he learned the track, yeah, and he yeah. had great time. He was in tune. You know, all the things that you don't really think about, but are so key when you're in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tuning and timing are everything. Mm. And if they're out. The whole track is out. Yeah. So you take a chance with someone so young and having very little studio experience, but the guy killed it. And That's... and not only did he kill it, I don't know that he ever did anything after that. Yeah, because uh, you would think... He's a teacher. I think he's a school teacher. Wow. Yeah, Because, yeah, you would think, like... Because game music, the game music circles are enough that, like, we try to track down, like, who did what and right, when. And right. it's like, if this clearly talented guitarist, like, surely we would have... There would have been some other soundtracks maybe two years later that was on the Saturn or something and had an equivalent. And we'd be like, was that? What if that was the same guy? And that never yeah, happened. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he just was like, I, yeah, I'm I, cool. I once went to Gelb literally to see if I could track him down. And, of course, he no longer worked right. there. But, and, and they said, I think he's married and he's a teacher, you know, wow. in, in the area. So, Eric, if you hear this, <laughs> Eric Frickman, I'm sorry. Eric Frickman was his name. I didn't tell you that. Eric Martin and Eric Frickman. Eric, if you hear this. Uh, reach out, buddy. Yeah, You're awesome. Uh, you killed this, it. This is a, one of my favorite soundtracks of the era, and maybe of all time, if I really sit and think about it. Brad Kaiser on drums, fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. this is nuts. So, like, we could, let's do uh, three songs from this uh, again. Hope maybe there's actual real tracks, but uh, seven, eight, and six are the track numbers off the Red Book Audio. Um, but the song seven that's going to bring us in is I just love the opening before it gets to the the main the main beat of the song. I just get I just spent a lot of time in Florida as a kid. So I immediately see like this like steamy, you know, sunset, uh, almost Miami Vice kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Just the way the guitar comes in, I love it. Um, and then track eight is a much much faster high high you know uh, high tempo song. I have no music terminology, so I, I struggle. I struggle a lot. Um, <laughs> it's just I love the game music. Cool, but uh, I love the bass guitar in the background, trying to keep up like just setting the rhythm, the tone for the whole song. Like it's such a fun track. Uh, and my friend back in high school like wrote lyrics to it about video games, and he's just like video games are for me. And set to the two. It's <laughs> a ridiculous song, but it's it's fun. And then after that is the sixth track, which is. A lot slower song just to show, like, not not everything was balls to the wall. It was Some of it was, like, 
let's take a second. You know, maybe you just want to walk around and like web up some criminals mm-hmm. and find the comic book covers and slow down. But the songs were just kind of randomized. So you'd go into mm-hmm. a stage and you weren't really sure what was going to be there. Yeah. There wasn't like they were assigned to. An and area. that was by design. Yeah. And also because, and you know, again, a different era now. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, you, you had to. Within reason, you had to make wallpaper music yeah. because you didn't know where someone physically would be within the game. And yeah, you also yeah. didn't know necessarily in this game what level it would be behind. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, like, I'm just going to make a great rock record, Yeah, to be honest with you, because that's what was kind of the inspiration for the game. And and, uh, and that's what we did. And I think it, it worked pretty well. And we, we actually performed this soundtrack live Ooh, really? with Eric Martin where uh, in Chicago at a, at, a da- at a game convention or the CES show in Chicago okay. at the yeah. time. Wow. And I was blown away with how fans <laughs> reacted to it. And then I just found out recently that there have been remixes of Swing Time, which I think we're going to hear a little later. Yeah. Um, all over Japan, all over really? dance clubs. And, wow. and I never knew that. It does have a, uh, like, you got the touch thing to yeah. it, where it. This song, like, while it is, you could, you know. Four in the floor rock and roll. But yeah, yeah. And it's like, I still associate it's Transformers the movie, the song. Mm-hmm. But the world knows it because the song became bigger than the source like the thing that you know kids know it from a certain thing so like swing time i'm surprised never got to that same level because it's such a song that works really well even when you don't know it's a spider-man yeah you know that's the thing and and had we been in a different time with a different mechanism in place i think the game industry was so new and so nascent and and again a lot of other people like like me were saying i wonder how long this is gonna last you know and so you didn't have people taking a lot of you know, chances breaking singles, and that was the whole idea yeah. behind the Sega Music Group. Right, was that we would do that? We would work singles. We would discover bands and 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 sign people. And we did some of that, but it never saw the light of day because Sega came crashing down. But we had a a, a group called the Bygone Dogs <laughs> that did a soundtrack for a game very close to the end of Sega's life. Um, that was phenomenal. Three piece band that that wow. killed it, and the record that we did killed it. Really, um, but again, sadly. Uh, never saw the light of day just based on where the industry was right. at the time. Yeah, man, just like, oh, Cyber Speedway? Is Cyber that the game? Speed, yeah. Man, I'll have to check that out. Uh, but yeah, we'll do these three Spider-Man songs, and we'll be back. <laughs>
I absolutely, I can't stress enough how much I love all three of those and the whole soundtrack in general. But that mix of guitars and synthesizers and just nutty solos, yeah. it's so good. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, you're saying like some of that is, a lot of those are just you and him. Yeah, a lot of the, nuts, right? yeah, Dave is a, is a great keyboard, Dave Young, who's co-wrote a lot of the stuff and great keyboard player. So he played a lot of the key parts and I played a lot of the synth parts and the keyboard parts and, and, and we had sampled drums, uh, but played by Brad Kaiser. So these are live drum tracks that we we're triggering samples, but okay. off of his live drums. So we really? layered live drums huh. with sampled drums and that's a real drummer in the studio. Um, I don't but, know if I've uh, heard of that process, like a, a live performance that is then sampled. Like, no, or, actually, he's or, sampling. He's triggering a sample of another drum oh, at the okay. same time. Oh, wow. So okay. we have layered snares and layered oh, okay. toms and that kind of thing. That's yeah. cool. And all the cymbals are live, of course, uh-huh. regular cymbals. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if somehow this was your first exposure to that uh, soundtrack, I want to encourage you to listen to the Spider-Man episode from a few years ago because uh, we go a little bit more detail into it. But also just to check out that song. And this is one of those things that bums me out where I'm like, yeah, a different time. Like, the amount of work and effort that went into this, like, I wish this was somewhere people could buy. And the money could go to the correct... I would go to Sega at this point, I'm sure. Yeah. But at least you can vote with your dollars. Well, and, 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 and part of it would go to Sega. But mm. the writer's share would remain with the composers yeah. and, and the performers. So, okay, that, I mean, that's the beautiful thing. But unfortunately, yeah. that didn't happen. That was what we were trying to do with Sega Music Group. We really saw an mm. opportunity for... a. I mean, in Japan... Game soundtracks and, and it's a, game... It's a real deal. Yeah, and, and, and game music composers and performers are well-known pop icons and artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's really no reason that shouldn't be happening here. But what I found interesting about the game industry, unlike the film industry and the record industry that I was most familiar with, was that they were more interested in touting the technology mm-hmm. than the people and, mm-hmm. and the creativity behind it. So you would see ads that would say, you know, you know, 589 colors and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. moving pixels this much quicker with resolution and blah 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 yeah. instead of like the film industry does brought to you by the director that mm-hmm. you know directed uh, you know avatar with the music by the guy who brought you this yeah and and that was just a cultural thing and mm-hmm. i think an industry-wide thing that to this day still isn't very well balanced yeah i think they could even do better with their industries like as far as soundtrack albums go yeah because even I don't know I mean I'm not a great I'm not a great case study since I know a lot of Japanese composers by name but it's like I never once saw like Akira Yamaoka's name on a Silent Hill box and maybe that's because Silent Hill as a brand name when in its heyday was big enough that it's like yeah you don't need to put other people's names on there but like his music is is Silent yeah. Hill and if you take him out you get people are just going to try to approximate his work yeah and so. things are done differently. Um, you know, in other countries, um, you mm. can't do that in America. Mm. Meaning, you can't say music by Sega, but in Japan, you can, uh. or you know, music by Capcom or something. Right, right, because right. if they own the rights, yeah, you're, you, yeah. you're someone who's in the yeah. cubicle. You may not be writing code. You may be writing music, but yeah. it's it's property. It's property company, exactly. Yeah. But uh, man, uh, this but this is one of those things where like this is there's all kinds of uh, instrumental guitar albums that are released mm-hmm. every week mm-hmm. and uninterrupted for the last 40 years probably right. and this is that Spider-Man Sega CD soundtrack to me is one of those like yeah if whoever owns the rights to distribute this just popped it out somewhere yeah. like you don't never know what might happen yeah like, it's funny you should say that Brett because um, I get you know I still get fan mail every week mm. a fan email or whatever sure. from people around the world and and um, it's it's wonderful it's beautiful and I love it every time and I always write back um, I, but I'm living proof yeah and one <laughs> one person in particular recently said you know I love you know the the soundtrack um, 
to Sonic and Echo and blah, blah, blah. You know, where can I buy it? Yeah. And do you own the rights? And can I get it from you? Because I'd rather pay you than someone else. And, sure. and I said, you know, you know, the, the, the reality is they own everything. Mm-hmm. But it is a shame that it sits fallow, you know, yeah. that, that that music can't be released no matter who owns yeah. it and gets it, paid. Yeah. And then it devalues it over time where yeah. when it's made unavailable for decades at a time, it's like, well, what option does anyone have but to rip it themselves or yeah. get it from someone else? So, right. And then if you did put it up for sale now, it's like, well, everyone who wanted it probably got it. Already. Exactly. And that's why it's funny, you know, the, the CD that I handed you, I think it's why they retain such kind of a value is because it's it's a it's a rare thing oh yeah these are like relics yeah and like when i was in japan one of the few uh, i don't remember which trip it was i went a lot for work so they kind of start blurring for Mm -hmm. why i was there for which game and when but Mm -hmm. somewhere in there i remember seeing like a legit like super metroid soundtrack from Mm -hmm. super nes and I'm like this is this is as close to a real relic for yeah. me for me personally because this is a thing that's like almost fabled. Yeah. Of there's a CD soundtrack to something that when I was a kid I was like recording it by hitting record on a boombox and holding right. it up to a TV because no one in America thought it was even worth their yeah. time. And to, there was no way to get the music out of the box other yeah. than that. Yeah. And so it's like so and then you have SPCs and NSFs and other ways to get the game music out of the ROM files <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's like in Japan, here was an actual CD because yeah. someone thought this was worth time. Yeah. So anytime I get, that's why I really appreciate this because this is like, there's only so many of these on planet Earth, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that are still in working order and clean and good. Yeah, so. and and again, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't want to take up too much time, but um, a, a really good example of that, that effect that the mm. music had on you as a child, I learned about um, recently um, from someone that you probably know, mm. at least his name. Um, I was invited to go to a, a recording session at Skywalker Sound, okay. one of my favorite places on the planet. And my yeah. friend uh, Leslie Ann Jones, who runs Skywalker Sound, invited me to come up for an orchestral session because I love orchestral music, mm. right? And the process of hearing it live is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And especially in a space like that. It's one of the greatest I, sound yeah. stages on the planet. I can't even imagine. It's, ama- imagine. it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, of course, I said yes. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, as long as it's okay with the artist, you can come and hang out and, and uh, you know, you'll be the only guest, you know, so it's a closed wow. session. You know, if they don't want you there, you got to go. Yeah. And I said, great, no problem. I just like the drive out there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's beautiful. so beautiful. So, anyway, I show up and I slip into the back of the control <laughs> room of this session. Beautiful music being played. And, and I look around the room and I recognize, you know, three or four people out of ten in the mm-hmm. room. And I realize I know all of them from the game industry. Mm-hmm. This is three years ago, four years oh. ago. What? This is a game soundtrack? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what it was, right? Right. So, yes, it's a game soundtrack. I look at the monitor that's showing the uh, podium camera. So I'm looking at the, co- the composer, I'm assuming, and the conductor. Mm-hmm. And this is a kid. I mean, he's young. Yeah, he's yeah. probably 30. Mm-hmm. And and that's unheard of, right? I mean, in orchestral music, to just be at that level. Yeah. And so I finally said to someone, the guy sitting next to me, who turned out to be his manager, I said, who is this? Mm-hmm. He said, oh, this is Bear McCreary. Oh, wow. And I'm going, I know that name. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, yeah. you know, Walking Dead, you know, all these incredible shows mm-hmm. and games Yeah. yeah. now. Um, and this is a few years ago. I said, wow. I said, how old is he? <laughs> he said he's 31 today. It was his birthday. Yeesh. So anyway, I say to Leslie, I should introduce myself because he's the boss. And if he doesn't want me here, you know, I got to go. So the, the, the orchestra takes a break. And I walked out into the studio. 
and I sheepishly went up to the podium and here's this young Beethoven with hair hanging in his face and he's making notes on the score and this guy is moving so fast I can't believe how comfortable he is with the orchestra and how beautiful his music is mm-hmm. and uh, so I kind of walk up to the podium with my hand out you know like a little kid and I said hi you know my name is Spencer Nilsson I'm a guest of, of Leslie Ann I hope it's okay that I'm hanging out here you make beautiful music and he's kind of turned his head and he looked through his hanging hair yeah. he looked at me and I went oh that's not good <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going home you know it was fun and so I nervously said, well, I, I, you know, this is a game score, and I, I scored some games back. And, and he turned to me, and he walked to me, looked me right in the eye, and said, Echo the Dolphin 1 and 2, Spider-Man wow. uh, versus Kingpin, Sonic CD. Yeah. And he put his arm around me, wow. and he said, my brother is going to beep. Right. Yeah. And we went, and we ended up having lunch together and have become friends. That's awesome. All because, and he finally told me the story about how that music was his music. Wow. It was his and his brother's music. No one else. It wasn't on the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could, you, you know, it was. There was no that, internet really back then to share none. it with anybody. And he could. And he's talking. You know, he's twelve or thirteen years old. So mm-hmm. he's talking about, you know, how it influenced what he ended up doing. You know, wow. picking, staying with music and everything. And at the end of that day, which was a phenomenal day for me. I mean, I'll, I was, you know, just kind of wide-eyed like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. And we were walking back to the stage, and he said, you know, I may never see you again. <laughs> he said, you are the reason that I'm here. Wow. Or one of the reasons that I'm here. Sure. And his his whole point was that that music had such an effect on him. And you never know that when you're writing and producing yeah. tracks like this, especially yeah. in, a, in a world that's so... Yeah, you know, the yeah. game industry is just so rabid and so yeah. f- so authentic and so such big fans. So yeah, and anyway, yeah, and I mean composers too. They can go years without realizing how much their music affected people. They won't hear for a decade or in some cases twenty, thirty years, and be like, oh, people love that. I had no clue. I never knew wow, until yeah. you know until the last few years where you start getting feedback on social yeah, yeah. media and stuff. But I would go to Tommy Tellerico's um, mm-hmm. you know video games live yeah. just as a guest on the red carpet afterwards to. Know, sign autographs and stuff and people were going crazy they That's would bring cool. old genesis systems and have me sign them the system <laughs> itself you know <laughs> So that's you great. never know. I mean, that's that's. I, I've only been to a couple of those, but I talked to you know. I've had Tommy on the show, and I I'm so glad that he is still doing that and putting it out there. Hey, Tommy, why haven't you ever put a piece of my music in your show? I know. I'm Call calling you. I'm calling, calling you on it right now, buddy. You got all. You had all this time. It's been like ten years. Yeah. What's yeah, going on? Exactly. But that ends for this episode. Uh, we'll go out with. Uh, well, before we go out, I guess I should just plug the show in general. VGEmpire.com. You can find the rest of the episodes uh, there. VGEmpire on Twitter. Um, and if there's anything you want to plug or promote uh, as we head out, oh uh, no, no, I'm 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 working on a few things, but uh, keep your eyes and ears open. I've got a couple of musical projects that I'm working on awesome. in, a, in a feature film. So, oh um, nice, yeah, staying busy. Awesome. So we'll go out with the aforementioned swing time. And again, this is something I probably have sung this in the shower and have sung this while I drove to school and work. And uh, it's such a fun, ridiculous song. And it's the it title is. screen of the Sega CD game. You are like, like. Zero to one hundred with this game. As soon as you put the, as soon as you push start. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, enjoy swing time. <laughs>